Good Sunday morning. This is Mike Sarek, the voice of Vital Ministries, and it's good to begin with you on another beautiful Sunday on your drive time to wherever you might be going today on this Sunday. I tell you what, the temperatures are phenomenal. I guess it's going to get up to around mid-60s today, 70s on Monday, and my goodness, what a great time it is uh, as we look at I think spring is sprung. It looks, sure appears in the midst of February. Who would have ever guessed on February uh, 25 that we would have this kind of weather? I have never experienced this before, but you know what? We're going to take it anyway. You know, one thing as you drive today, just make sure you're safe uh, as you travel today, as you go out about your uh, your time on the road, because sometimes there's just some could be some crazy drivers out there. So just be careful as you journey for whatever direction it is, and may God go before you and just be safe. And also, too, those of you who are headed on your way to church this morning, just make sure that you're uh, safe as you travel. Also, too, what an exciting time to go to church and be with your other brothers and sisters in Christ as you uh, worship and hear a good word from the Lord. What a great opportunity that is going to be. And those of you that say, Mike, this is my Sunday morning time of being with uh, the Lord, listen to Vital Ministries, always appreciate all that and just thankful for those uh, that that stuff that goes on that we, you allow us to be a part of your day. Thank you so very much. And before we get started this morning, we've got a few things that are coming up as we uh, look forward to uh, today's teaching as we finish up. Uh, this is our last week of finding your joy. But coming up on March 2nd, which is next Saturday, is our next Warrior Breakfast. And again, that's March 2nd Warrior Breakfast from 8 to 9 o'clock at New Sharon at the Lighthouse Church. And again, that's March 2nd. That's next Saturday from 8 to 9, New Sharon Lighthouse Church. My understanding, guys, biscuits and gravy and bacon is on the menu. You guys ranted and raved to how we had that a couple of months ago and that it was fantastic. We're going to have that again. So it's going to be some really, really good food. You don't want to miss out on that. It's a great time to bring another man who uh, may not go to church, but you can get him to go to breakfast. What a great opportunity. We'd like to fill the fellowship hall. We had just a great group of men last month and we'd like to do it again. And just to fellowship and get a good word from the Lord as we go about and what it means to be a man of God and trust him in each and every one of our days. Also, too, it's hard to believe it. The end of March is Easter. Matter of fact, March 31 is Easter. It comes early this year. But on March 30th, I want to announce at uh, the New Sharon Church, we are going to have an Easter egg hunt at the North Mahaska high school at the gymnasium. We're excited about this. We plan to do it outside, but we thought the weather was going to be bad because sometimes I've seen snow in March and my good friend Steve, who drives this paraglide thing, uh, this airplane looking thing up there with a parachute on it, he would have loved to have dropped eggs. Last year, he tried to do that, him and his son, Brian, and the wind was just too horrific and was not able to get up. I felt so bad for his wife. She was trying to hold on to get him up. The wind was blowing like crazy. It sounds like it was absolutely nuts at their house trying to get that up in the air. But thank goodness, I think God was looking out for them and uh, they did not get up, but we still had a great time. But this year we're gonna go inside. We're gonna have bouncy houses. We're gonna have Easter eggs and hunting. We're gonna separate the kids according to ages and it's gonna be a great time. I'll give you more details as I come. And again, be marking that down on your calendars on March 30th which is on a Saturday morning, we are going to have a new Sharon community 
Easter egg hunt. Just a great time that we just want to love back into our community and uh, be a part of that as well. So mark that down on your calendars as you, as you get ready. So we're going to jump in this morning. we got some exciting things. As it again, again is our final week on finding your joy. We're going to be uh, jumping into our Easter series the following week, uh, looking at that, the suffering servant of Christ as he goes before the, as he heads his journey to the crosses, his pilgrimage from the Sea of Galilee to to the city of Jerusalem. And we're going to watch uh, and study some of the things that he told his men as he talked to different interactions, talked about some of the miracles that he did, just some really, really cool things. So you want to make sure you don't miss out. And I would appreciate you uh, listening to KBO. If you ever missing some, you can go to the Vital Ministries website, vitalministries.org. Check out our website. All of our podcasts are on the website. So if you miss one, you want to pick it back up, you can go to our Vital Ministries website, check it out. All that information is there. But again, as we look at the uh, going forward is uh, to this morning on finding your joy. We're going to look at, it's going to be our last week, and it's going to find your joy will lead you to go for the gold. Now, this is some interesting things as we get ready to go on this morning when we think about how uh, this plays out in Paul's life. Now, remember, again, Paul is incarcerated. He is under prison arrest, probably in a house or something, so to speak, but he is under prison arrest, and he is waiting for to his uh, time of his sen his sentencing is going to be before the Roman emperor himself. You know, a lot of times we want to give it opportunities and we want to advance the gospel message. And sometimes we want to do that in our own way. But it was interesting for Paul. He thought he would be able to go on his own free will and go to Rome and share about Jesus. But Jesus had another plan. His plan was to take him because he wanted him to get before the emperor himself, before Rome, and share about the life of Christ. So how does how does God make that all work? He puts Paul in chains. And he said it out in the whole book of Philippians. is a lot about finding joy in the midst of your circumstances and that sort of thing. But as this morning, we, as we look for going for the gold, you know, it, it Paul gives this imagery about what it might have been like in a race or doing some sort of athletic event and those different things that were going on. And uh, he just gives us that uh, pressing in, going for the gold and, and, and doing those different things. And it's just, I, I think about so many about these different athletes and what they have to do to in order to move forward. I had an opportunity this past week um, over in uh, Sully, and I got to speak to the, the young men of, that of a, one of the uh, CRC churches over there, and they asked me to speak to them. And it was interesting that out of the 12 young men that were there, four of them were actually basketball players for Pella Christian, and they were getting ready for the game and, and whatnot. And and uh, it was just interesting to, to listen to them, just these men full of vigor, uh, uh, tall, just good-looking guys. And they were getting ready for the basketball game. It was just so really, really cool as they were getting pressing, pressing. Obviously, their goal was to get eventually to get up to Wells Fargo, get to Des Moines. That was the ultimate goal to win the state title. But uh, along the way, there's always a journey to go. And sometimes we make it and we get that expectation. And sometimes we don't. But ultimately, when we get to heaven, we will reach and make it, make it the gold. See, I, I, I just think it's so off, so off opportunity for us. We... Uh, just have opportunities to do that. But this morning we're going to talk about, if you want to write down our different teachings uh, for our, our points this morning, principle number one is this, 
Check your direction. Now, we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14 this morning uh, as we begin. And if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up with me this morning. And we're going to look at see what Paul says about what it means to go for the gold. And it starts out this way. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed possessed me. Now, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing. I love this part next. Forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, and I press on to reach the end of the race and receive a heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Now, this is really, really cool. I like this portion. Now, it's not that I have already obtained this. It's, it, it, Paul is just giving us this imagery that he has not yet reached the goal. See, if this text does nothing else, it should put you into the end of dreams of a sinless perfection in this life. Paul begins with an honest admission, I'm not there yet. Same with us. We're not there yet. But unlike so many other contemporary leaders, he has no problem admitting that his own personal shortcomings. He isn't perfect yet, and he knows it, and this because the, the place where his spiritual growth all begins. See, twice he says, I press on, meaning I'm not where I want to be, but I'm going to keep on moving in the direction. The spiritual life direction makes all the difference. Isn't that true, folks? True believers aren't in heaven yet, but they aim for their steps to that direction. And Paul's case involved both a uh, sanctified forgetting and a resolute pushing forward. Now, take note of the fierce concentration of the words that he says, one thing I do. Here is the secret that applies across what I believe Paul was trying to say. To excel in areas of my life, a person must say, this is the one thing I do. The these 20 things I do. A single-minded focus in my endeavor generally wins a great reward. Isn't that true? So here, as an example, a great artist must say, one thing I do. A gifted teacher would say, one thing I do. A championship athlete says the one thing I must do. A single parent raising her child says the one thing I must do. A student who wants to graduate with honors must say the one thing I must do. See, greatness in, in, in any arena comes to those who say with the Apostle Paul, one thing I do. In his case, it meant looking into the heavenly goal of winning the prize. The phrase covers all that God has for us, and we finally stand before Jesus Christ and hear him say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Man, won't that be amazing someday to get that experience and have that, 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 that very event happen in your life? See, 100 years ago, a man from a wealthy family entered Yale University. His family intended that after completing his degree, he would enter a suitable career in America. But God gripped the young man's heart with the needs of China, and he volunteered to go to the country with the gospel. But much to the dismay to his family and friends, he left America but never made it to China. Succumbing to disease before reaching the distant shore, after his death, they find a note found inside of his pocket. And this is what it says. It says three things. 
No reserve, no retreat, no regret. I wonder how many of us could say that same thing at the end of our lives, that we reach a point in which we say, well, I have no reserve, I do no retreat, and I have no regrets. Man, I tell you what, that is would be amazing. When I just, This past week, I got an uh, opportunity. I went to one of the assisted living um, facilities here in our city of Oskaloosa, and one of our uh, uh, men that's there, he, he's at a, a short-term uh, time there of rehabilitation. And I sit there, and as I'm looking at the crowd, and primarily got folks, when you go to assisted living, it's, it's, old, it's, it's old people. It just is. It's just, I'm just going to say it as it is. It's old people. And what it is, they are, for the most part, they are finishing the race. They have been set aside. They have been to a place that sometimes there's visitors come, sometimes family. I had some at the table that shared with me, as one of my good friends says, uh, they were sharing with me that how many people came and visited my friend. But they would often say, we've had no visitors. But their life is not yet finished, but yet at the same time, it is a place in which the finishing of the race will end. See, this is important for us when we think about this. Do you want to win, do you want to win the race before before you? But first you got to check your direction. Make sure you are, are moving in God's direction and everyone goes somewhere in life. Where will you be when you get where you are going? Man, that's a great question, isn't it, this morning? Principle number two is this, follow faithful leaders. This is what it says in, in Philippians 15 through 17. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who are living according to the pattern we gave you. Now, how Paul puts it in verse 17, he says, follow my example. That seems like an, a, an astounding thing to say, isn't it? If you want to learn how to pray, follow me. If you want to become a faithful evangelist, follow me. If you want to study the Bible, follow me. If you want to see compassion in action, follow me. If you want to know God better, follow me. Who among us would dare to utter such a statement? Yet, Six different times in the New Testament, Paul says, follow me. Sometimes people could take that as being uh, egotistical to a point, but did he think he was perfect Christian? Not what I read. In verse 12, he clearly says that he has not yet arrived at spiritual completion. Well, then how could Paul say, follow me? What he meant was, follow me as I follow Christ. Isn't that good? I'm going to say that again. What he meant was, follow me as I follow Christ. Think of the Christian life along a parade from earth to heaven. At the head of the line is Jesus Christ, the captain, the captain of our salvation. Step by step, he is leading his followers to glory. It is a long road with many twists and turns, but he fully committed to seeing that we make it to the end of the road. Since the parade is long and filled with millions of people, we need folks in front who, of us who can keep us on track. We need mentors, models, uh, heroes, if you will. People who are farther along in their spiritual journey who can keep us pointed toward the Lord. Without such input in our lives, folks, to be honest, we're likely to veer off the trail and end up 
in the wilderness. I say a lot of times as men, we're much like cattle when we don't have someone leading in the trail. We want to go off and, and, and stray. And that is so true for everyone. That's exactly what happens. But let me ask you this question this morning. Who are you following? Who is ahead of you showing you the way, pointing out the rough places in the road and making sure you don't make a wrong turn? We all need people like that in our lives, don't we? None of us ever reach a point where we can say, I can do this on my own. Even though I have been a Christian for nearly many, many years, I find that how much that I need encouragement and being around people who pray better than I do, who witness more than I do and have deeper knowledge of God's word. I need their example, their encouragement, and their challenges they provide in our, their life. We have a, 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 an older gentleman in our church by the name of, I'm just going to say Bill. Many of you will know exactly what I'm saying, but he's a pillar in our church. Um, he has been a man that has seen incredible times, not only in the life of the church, but also in his own life. And I, I've seen this man in a short amount of time. I've seen some of the accidents that's happened to him. He's, this, this man has broken his back. Um, uh, so many different things that, that, that's when, but what I've seen is this man keeps getting up, keeps his eyes on the ultimate goal, which is the end, which is to be in the perfection with Jesus Christ someday. And he stays the course. That's a leader that I want to follow because he's faithful. He has been faithful through time and leading his own life. And by doing so, it makes it that I want to follow him as well. So who are you following? Think again about the image of a great parade. I want, as Jesus is following the people in the vast throng of, of group of people that lies ahead. As long as they are following Jesus, you are following through the good example. Now look behind you. Do you see the, the faces peering in the, in the directions they are following you? And you don't realize it. See, I want you to think about this. Right now, someone is following you. Right now, someone looks to you to show you the way. Again, right now, someone prays because they heard you pray. Right now, someone is watching you fight your personal battles. Even right now, someone wants to be like you. And right now, someone is cheering you on. Right now, someone sees Christ in your life. Right now, someone admires your strength. Right now, someone is borrowing your faith because they have none. Right now, some believers, you are the best Christian they know. And even some are in hanging tough because you are standing tall. Some are smiling when they think of you. Someone thanks God for your friendship. Right now, someone cares that you make the right choices. Right now, someone is following you. Keep the path, stay the course. Principle number three, know your enemies. Verses 18 and 19, this is what it says. For as often as I told you before, and now say again with tears, many lives, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. So what do you think about this? Here's the flip side of the previous principle, and we must follow the leaders. And we must also watch, we also must watch out for the enemies. 
These are the enemies of the cross. I doubt Paul would use such harsh language to describe people outside the church, but I believe he is actually talking about professing Christians who say in wolves, uh, uh, wolves and sheep's clothing. Although they attend the church and worship with us on Sunday, they are not with us. See, here there's the tricky part. They're out there, and they are in here with the family of the church. So how do you spot them? They claim to be Christians. Their lives betray them. They live for selfish gratification, lust, gluttony, greed, sexual immorality, anger, drunkenness, and all other sins of the flesh. They brag about their sins, their glory of their shame. They drag others down with them. They will destroy you if you let them. And they are going to hell and don't go with them. Pretty harsh words, isn't it, this morning, folks? But it's true, and we have to be it has to be important for us to see those kinds of people. Let me say it this way. Not every relationship is a good relationship for us, is it? Some people reading my words are aware. Some people that are even hearing the voices that I'm saying today and relationships in your life, they are pulling you away from Christ. It may seem like a could be a romantic relationship or a friendship at school or a job with a neighbor or some perhaps passing a casual acquaintance or someone you met on social media. God points it clear. If relationship is pulling you away from Jesus Christ, you must break it off. Period. No ifs, no ands, no buts. Break it off. Stop making the excuses and hang around good people who are not your enemies. Back to principle number two. Those are the kind of people you want to look for. See, I can't tell you who needs to hear these words, but I do know that that someone does this morning. Folks, it's essential for you today to know and understand who your enemies are. Mark them, avoid them, that there's no other way, because if you don't, you will not win the prize. Which brings me to principle number four. Remember your true identity. Let's close this up with verses 20 through 21. But our citizenship is heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. See, verse 20 begins with a huge contrast. The enemies of the cross live for earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. These words would have special meaning to the Philippian church said they were granted Roman citizenship even though they were 800 miles from the imperial capital itself. They lived in Philippi, but they were citizens of Rome. In a similar way, we live on earth, but our hearts are in heaven. As the song says, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. If you do overseas traveling, you know that the passport is required for entry into most countries, except on our borders on the south. For instance, if you travel to Bangladesh, you have to have a passport wherever you go. That way, when you prove that you are citizenship in another country. See, Paul is saying that Christians have learned, have been issued a special passport from the commonwealth of heaven. Then he lists two evidences of the heavenly citizenship. First, we're eager to, for Jesus to return to the earth. Isn't that true? Are you eager for Jesus to return to the earth? Here's the second one. We eagerly await 
has the idea of a child standing at tiptoe waiting for his daddy to come home from work at the end of the day. Here's the second. We're expecting a glorious transformation of our earthly bodies. The word transform comes from a Greek word that is the root of our English and, and word schematic, meaning a drawing or diagram of the inner workings of a device. What do you want? What do you know about your physical bodies? I don't know about you, but I know mine's broken down. But we know that they are made from the earth, and that is from dust. Second, we know that they are constantly wearing out. Third, we know that our bodies will eventually return to the earth from where they came, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. That's why the King James Version uses the phrase, our vile bodies, an expression that has become more appropriate as we grow old and nothing seems to work right anymore. See, Philippians 3 ends with a ringing declaration that one day God is going to re-schematic our earthly bodies. I don't know about you, but man, that excites me. They will be raised from the dead and re-engineered to be like the glorious body. In other words, one commentator puts it this way, we will be raised and beautified. I like that sound of that, don't you? I want to be raised and beautified, and I definitely need to be beautified in my own life and beautified in my own physical bodies. See, someday, folks, that's in same in power runs the universe, doesn't it? Someday there you'll have no more glasses, no more crutches, no more walkers, no more ICUs, no more cancer, no more strokes, no more false teeth, no more diabetes, no more Alzheimer's, no more kidney failure, no more heart disease, and no more death. What a great thing that will be someday. That should bring us to find joy in our lives. Let me pray with you this morning. Again, Jesus, I just want to thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity in which we can share the good news of the gospel message of finding joy in our lives through you. That our citizenship is not on earth, but it is in heaven. That if we stay the course and stay focused with our eyes all on you, Put good people around us, good leadership, good, good people of faith, good people who are pillars within the Christian community. That's the people we should follow. Not the people that we watch on televisions and, and, and so-called pop uh, artists and so-called uh, um, great athletes. They're not the heroes. It's the people who stay the course in their faith, people who stay focused on Jesus. They are the true heroes. It's the mom and dads that lead their children. It's the pastor who leads a church. It's the leader who leads a youth group. It's the men and women who choose to be a pillar within Christ himself. They have found the greatness of joy. And we are thankful for that. And we love you. In your name I pray. Amen. Folks, this is the end of our four-week session of what it means to be finding your joy. What, a, what an extra, uh, extraordinary teaching that it has been. I've just loved every minute of it and also, too, the, the study time of it to getting prepared for that. Next week, we're going to start on our new teaching series called The, the Suffering Servant. I'm Mike Serig, the voice of Vital Ministries. <laughs>